Hello. Hello, Victoria. Missed me? I did miss you, but I hear I haven't missed your new kitchen utensil. (laughs) Is that a utensil? Mm. I thought a utensil was like a spoon. (laughs) Found a spoon, Sarge. (laughs) Okay, so if we go into your kitchen, we won't find a spoon, but what will we find? Button moon. I've swallowed Mr. Spoon. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Victoria Mitzi. This is our 100th podcast. You know that, don't you? Check this out. (gasps) Santa Mary. It's our century of podcasts. Yes, and for that reason, we're doing something a bit... It might even sound different so far because we've got an interview. It's a special about a crime that Ben knows very well, don't you, Ben? This is, yeah, I mean, this th- these crimes come around every now and then. They're always shocking. They're always horrible. And it's when you get a child murdered by those who are supposed to be providing care. Um, th- th- in this case, we're talking about the recent um, conviction of... Uh, Agnieszka Kalinowska, who was 35, and Andrzej Lachifeski, who's 38, who tortured and killed 15-year-old Sebastian Kalinowski at their home in Huddersfield. Now, Sebastian died in August 2021, and just a couple of weeks ago, um, Kalinowska and Lachifeski were found guilty of murder and told they would spend a minimum of 39 years each in prison for his killing. But the reason that we're going to talk about this is obviously this is just a horrible, horrible case. Um, And when you look at the faces of the accused, you you just find yourself wondering how they could do that. But it brought back memories for me of uh, a case in Coventry uh, nine years ago involving a little boy who was only four called Daniel Pelka. And he was killed by his uh, mother and his stepfather, Magdalena Luchak was his mother and his stepfather was Mariusz Kreszelek and they were both um, ordered to serve a minimum of 30 years uh, after what the judge at the time called incomprehensible brutality. What's interesting in Sebastian Kalinowski's case is that the sentencing remarks were filmed for the first time in England outside London. So um, let's, let's listen to some of the judge's sentencing remarks. Clearly both of you must have been aware of the pain that you were inflicting. But the true motivation, certainly so far as you, Latachevsky, is concerned, is, I find, rather more complicated. As I've already said, I find that your abuse was motivated by the need to dominate, the need to control Sebastian, to the point almost of oppression. In your case, Kalinowska, you just didn't care what happened to Sebastian one way or another. You seemed oblivious to the pain that you were inflicting. Lachevsky, for the murder of Sebastian Kalinowski, the sentence of the court is imprisonment for life. I set the minimum term at 39 years. For the offence of cruelty to a child, the sentence is one of nine years. Kalinowska, for the murder of your son, Sebastian Kalinowski, the sentence of the court is imprisonment for life. I set the minimum term at 39 years. Tough stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the judge is right. It's, it is just one of those crimes that you just find yourself struggling to comprehend, struggling to understand. 
obviously all murders are terrible, but when a couple who are supposed to be in a position of care for a child abuse, torture and kill that child, it's always awful. And I think it's for that reason, perhaps, that people do particularly um, feel moved by these cases. And of course, that, I think, is probably what motivated um, our guest this week. That's right. Setting up a group called Justice for Daniel Pelka, Nikki Austin is a formidable woman, actually, and very rare in these cases. And, and I've got to say, you did say it, Ben, that these cases come around. You know, they're, they're not, they're unique in, obviously, they're all individuals, but there are often similarities between the cases and, and the way that things are allowed to happen is something that you'll hear from Nikki. With people doing things like she has been doing in fundraising to enable little Daniel Pelka's body to be taken to Poland, to be repatriated, and also to go and petition. It's the kind of thing that I have not seen. It brings an element of some hope that people actually, you know, this lady just took it upon herself to do this without any previous connection to the little boy. Um, she just found it so awful that she was motivated to doing such amazing things. I mean, it was awful. I mean, I remember the trial well. Um, I watched both um, uh, Magdalena and Mariusz uh, give evidence in their defence. Can we hear you doing that? Uh, should we, yeah, should well, we listen I mean... to a bit of you now? And uh, okay. when my daughter saw you, she was like, that's not Ben. <laughs> I, like, I, I, ben. I may have changed a bit as my, <laughs> as my teenage, well, my now adult daughter said I've had a bit of a glow up. well let's listen to ben in action shall we for neighbors here in the street where daniel lived there's a hope that today's sentencing will bring some kind of justice but there remain wider questions and anger about how it was allowed to happen in the first place well those were the glory days weren't they yes but also reminiscing about court reporting and you can hear how live it is because i can i can hear you when you're mentioning some of that those details i can hear you thinking on the spot and that's what i love about live reporting yeah that for funnily enough i mean that that's very interesting because <laughs> what we used to i mean i'm sure they still do it but we used to get in front of the camera and you'd have a producer in court who was texting you information about what was happening and the news channel at that point of course you know 24 hour news would say well we'll come to you to start talking so we can actually as the sentence is handed out i'll get a text from my producer in court and i will then relay it to the viewers um, unfortunately, that sentencing, there was a bit of a delay. So I was standing live talking to the studio about what was happening. And instead of getting a sort of like the first comments from the producer saying, right, you know, judges said this and is now about to sentence for, you know, pressure leg, blah, blah, blah. It, the producer says, bit of a delay here. Judge is now asking for this and asking for that. And I was just talking and talking and talking. And in the end, I had to, talk, I had to do a live for about 45 or 50 minutes just waiting for the sentencing, which we did finally get. Um, and they were both told they must serve a minimum of 30 years each. And, you know, you can't really argue with that kind of sentence for this, the kind of cruelty. I mean, Daniel Pelka was was force-fed salt. He was kept in a, a locked room, or a room where, sorry, with, with a door handle on the outside only. The only furniture in that room was a piss-soaked mattress. It was just utterly awful. I mean, and, and when he suffered this, the head injury that killed him... Um, Kresselek said in his evidence that he wanted to call an ambulance, but the mother said, no, you mustn't, because 
that'll get social services onto us. And in the end, although he suffered the injury, it was estimated on a Thursday night, an ambulance wasn't called until Saturday morning, by which time, of course, Daniel had suffered um, bleeding in the brain and the, the, the injuries that subsequently led to his death. And as is characteristic of these cases as well, that in child cruelty cases, the people on trial start to blame each other. And we were just saying, weren't we, about the the mugshots and how there was a similarity. And I said, well, they've all finally been caught and they're Agnieszka, the mother of little Sebastian, well, young Sebastian, he was 15, was only concerned about the welfare of her cat. She'd murdered her son. You know, these these yeah. are people who are just, I mean, but they're fit enough that, you know, they're mentally together enough to stand trial. I mean, Where yeah, do, and I mean, what, going back to um, hmm. Daniel Pelka's case, um, Agnieszka Luchak's mother, Yolanta, told um, the BBC in Poland that she, I mean, she was still, I think, a little bit delusional of what had happened. She said, I don't know how guilty my daughter is. She was under Marius Kreshelek's influence, but also England, the British state, are responsible. How could they not have seen what was going on? I don't understand it. She was a normal girl. We were a normal family. It wouldn't have happened in Poland, she says. And yet, every, you know, time after time, from Baby P to Victoria Clombier to Daniel Pelka and uh, to Sebastian as well, um, what's clear is that these parents, these people are incredibly devious and very good at hiding the extent of the abuse and the extent of the injuries that these poor children are suffering. Yeah, and blaming other people. Oh, yeah, of course. It's always somebody else's fault. Mm. But, yeah, and actually you spotted this, didn't you, Ben? And it reminded you of Daniel, the Daniel Balker case. It did, yeah. I mean, it's. It, that, I mean, that's one of those cases that uh, just stays with you, actually. And I mean, you know, I'm sure if I were to sort of speak to Simon, the producer on the case, who's uh, who's, who's now doing very well, he's um, uh, BBC uh, East of England's uh, politics correspondent, I think. But I mean, if I'd been to, talking to Simon and said, "Do you remember Daniel Parker?" He'd be, "Yeah, I remember. I remember so much of that." You know, it was. It was one of those cases where it just mm. stays with you. Mm. For all the wrong, horrible reasons. Mm. But also, Daniel Pelka, at four years old, has still got that little, you know, he was he was being starved, and he still had those little cheeks, and the, you know, he's absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, I think that that does sadly it does have a lot to do with it. You know, it's in the media, and it's splashed all all across the media, and you know, uh, like um, Madeleine McCann, you know, she was a very lovely little girl. And that yeah. brings more attention to the case, and it just sim that's just simply a fact, isn't it? It does. I, I think the thing as well that sort of I think frustrates and annoys people, us, everybody, is that after each of these cases, we usually have a lot of wringing of hands and we have the serious case reviews and all this kind of stuff. And yet, it does seem to happen every now and then. And I suspect mm. that's because practically, you know, you back. We bank on most people being reasonable and decent and fair and most parents having that normal nurturing instinct that makes them want to care for their child. Mm. And every now and then when you get somebody who for whatever reason is wired wrong or is evil or is, is, is just not right, it is quite straightforward or it is worryingly easy for them to slip under the radar because... You're just not expecting it. You're not looking for that. You don't see that. You tend to trust parents. You, and, you know, you. 
I, I, I'm not entirely sure that we will ever be able to truly end this sort of crime. Tragically, I think it's one of those things where it's just inevitable, especially when you have increasingly isolated families, families that don't necessarily have a large support network and so on. Well, on a, on a positive note there, I'd like to introduce Nikki okay. Astin for Justice for Daniel Pelka. She's doing something which is positive out of things that have been worse than nightmares these these stories that um go are behind these this cruelty to these poor poor children so let's hear from her Firstly, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. Um, is okay. it okay to introduce you as one of the founders? What would you say that your sort of job title um, was related to what you do? I guess I'd say I was the, the founder of Justice for Daniel Pelko, I um, guess. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do within that role? So um, we've been, I say we, um, so myself and there's three or four ladies that I've met online during the course of me being on Facebook like throughout the million years I've been on there. Um, we've done a lot of uh, anti-child abuse um, things, um, which started off like from reporting things on Facebook that we've seen and... I started another page called Prevent Child Abuse um, and ended up with um, Dispatches Channel 4 um, coming to speak to me with regards to, because people used to send videos in to me saying, can you get rid of this? Can you help me get rid of that? So I built up quite a few contacts within like, law like enforcement. What? and What kind of videos? Awful, awful videos of oh, children what? being just the ones that were going around online. Um, right, because people post things online, and I don't know why. Don't you get them post... involved in things which may not be, I don't know, which may not be watertight in some way, or people calling other people I... out who. I guess, yeah, I suppose you could go down that sort of route. Um, I did always try to keep it very much like on board, up, you know, above board and whatnot. And if mm. I did, if anybody sent me a video, um, which there was one in particular that we were sent um, and I had to contact the police in the USA, um, just because we had no idea where it was filmed or oh anything like that. And there were people panicking saying, can you help me with this? So we did that. Um, contacted the police in the USA and it turned out to be a it was horrific it was we thought it was a doll and we were trying to get confirmation that it was a doll and it wasn't a doll um, and I honestly it's, so I have tried to remain sort of if anybody sends anything and it's never like it's never ever like anything more than I, I say that nothing more than Nothing more than a child being hit and hurt and abused that way. I've never, nobody's ever sent anything otherwise, um, because obviously that that would lead down a very, yeah, not a great road, I guess. But I mean, it's just a case of, like contacting the police and seeing what they can do and and whatnot. So we've done it for a long, long time. Um, when to be did honest. you start Daniel Palka page? That would have been, so he passed away in 2012, so that would have been coming up to 2013 when the courts started, just be, literally just before the court started with their hearings and trials. And it was literally because nobody nobody was talking about it. Nobody sort of knew who he was or anything. 
which but was that was because the case was subdued, so I'm sure you'll re- yeah. understand, Nikki. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it had been in the papers and whatnot, so I would have expected people to be talking about it from that, but nothing, which really, it really, it, it, it killed me. Tell so me, like, Nikki, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Tell me that. about, I find this amazing, what you've achieved through the page. He's such a beautiful little boy, and he's the, the day that I saw him on the news to begin with, I couldn't believe that somebody could hurt a little boy like that and just keeping an eye out for like you know any sort of other news about it or anything like that and it did take quite quite a while before it was mentioned on the news again good few months and I think people sort of forget about things they sort of read about things and then they sort of get on with the lives don't they and I found that I couldn't Mm. and I just kept thinking I need to keep an eye on this and just just see what happens because you know can I just ask you were you already doing your sort of online abuse investigations or monitoring or call it what you will or was it this that kick-started all no we have been doing the anti-child abuse things for quite a few years quite a few years and um, my friends that did start helping me with the running the page and whatnot they um protested for uh, baby peter Connolly, and so it's, it has been going on for a long long time um just trying to keep Kitty's safe. That's literally it. Just you know, and sort of went from there. But and with Daniel, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not in Coventry. No, no, I'm in Lancashire. So, I mean, was it was there anybody sort of in Coventry in the immediate neighbourhood who was doing anything that you were aware of? Because of course, I mean, we have this strange situation where you have this shocking crime that's very much the responsibility of these two vile individuals mm-hmm. but i when i was reporting from there i definitely picked up a sense of guilt in the wider community and a sort mm-hmm. of a how could this be happening in our midst and we didn't see it didn't do anything about it there was anger at the authorities and social services for not mm-hmm. doing more to protect daniel did was that anything you picked up on yeah the, the 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 actual community were i mean po- the polish community seemed to sort of close close ranks and they wouldn't speak to anybody nobody at all um and they sort of like stuck together and went to see their church and whatnot um but like the the community around where daniel lived um yeah there were seemed to be a lot of like guilt and people wanting to to come and help and and do whatever they could to you know to try and put things right or to try and help him get justice and yeah definitely did you feel, because I, I know Agnieszka Luczak's um, mother felt that she was very much influenced by uh, Marius Kreselek and mm-hmm. almost couldn't see that her daughter could be culpable, was in denial about that. Did yeah. you get a sense that the wider Polish community wanted to be in denial? Um, To begin with, yes. To begin with, yes, I do. But I think as the trial progressed we got a lot of Polish people commenting on our page um, and it did go from sort of in denial about it. It wasn't her fault. She was like a victim of this, that and the other to she was evil and she was complicit in everything that happened. So, yeah, definitely. There's a definite change there. So I suppose during the, the during the court case, I suppose, as people became aware of more and more of the details of the case, they, I suppose, the 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 um the scales fell away from their eyes in some sense oh absolutely 
absolutely. Because she were trying to pass herself off as a victim, wasn't she? You know, um, and I do think a lot of people, it's, I think, because it's mum, and people don't expect mum to to do things like that. You know, mum's supposed to be like bear, you know, protect her kids and stuff. And and I think you've got to sort of get out of that mindset. Whereas you think that mums are always like these amazing people that will never do anything wrong because they obviously they do. And I think when it it came to that realisation that, you know, she was she was fully involved and fully aware that everybody sort of went like, Wow, she actually is and did, you know. Can you tell me about your contact with Daniel's dad, Eric? And what, yeah, what you course. achieved via that regarding yeah. repatriation? Yeah, of course. Um, so we contacted Daniel's dad um, initially to reach out to him. Um, he wanted Daniel bring him back to Poland to be buried with his grandma. And obviously he was over here. And he was here for quite a while um, whilst the court case and everything was going on. Um, they didn't have enough funds to get him over getting buried and everything like that. So we said we would try and help with fundraiser. So we started raising money for that. And then a funeral director called, I think he's called Arthur, Arthur Geller from London said he would repatriate him flying back free of charge. And he did that off his own back, beautiful man. And so we then raised the money for the headstone and asked them because I needed permission from Eric to be able to get the memorial um, put into place in Coventry because obviously Daniel had been with his friends and things in, in Coventry and, and people knew him and the community and everything like that so I wanted somewhere plus he's also got siblings who were too young to travel to Poland to go and you know to go and visit or to what whatever go and pay tribute anything so I thought in, they really needed somewhere local in Coventry where Daniel was born and lived um for some for somewhere for them to go just to to go and sit there and reflect or you know anything so i had to contact eric with regards to permission for that so i did start talking to eric um and obviously he was he was absolutely heartbroken and he just blamed himself for what happened um i mean obviously parents split up and I mean, Eric went back to Poland and, I mean, he did tell me that he, he tried to to contact and phone contact and whatnot and it was always denied. They always completely, you know, put the phone down on him or whatever, which they're going to do because Daniel would have told him, you know, he would have told him what was happening and whatnot, but he did feel, and he did, he, I think he probably still does blame himself to this day, to be honest. So, yeah, that, that was like the start of me talking to to Eric really um and there is he's, he's, he's a very nice chap and don't get me wrong then when they were together in their relationship they had a lot of arguments and facts and and everything it, it wasn't a great relationship by any means but he would never have left Daniel if he had a one for one moment thought that anything would have happened to him because like I said there was a, an older sibling as well um who was obviously being taken care of with Daniel you know and to just single one child out of a family you would you, you can't predict that you know so I think he does you know and Nikki, 
Are you are you still doing things sort of up to today um, for Daniel? They're still sending flowers and that kind of thing. Yeah, of course. Um, so we send flowers to both Coventry and to Wuj, where Daniel is buried. So we send flowers on his birthday, um, Christmas, and obviously his anniversary of his death as well. Um, and we go over to Coventry in March, just so we can be there as well. Um, so what are the dates of those particular anniversaries there that you mentioned, Nikki? So his birthday is the 15th of July and his um, death was on the 3rd of March. So the 3rd of March, we are generally always in Coventry, which we've not been able to go to for the last few years due to COVID. Um, we've not been able to get in a hotel or anything. So we have booked from uh, next March. So we, will, we are definitely going in March. What is your motivation for doing this? It, it takes up a lot of your time. It does, and I don't mind at all. Do you know, as my main goal is to stop this happening again, just to protect kids, just to to stop people like you have from protesting as well, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. We so have. So, do you think that? What do you think was learnt from Daniel Pelker's case, and do you think it's had any effect, or have you seen these atrocities ongoing? Um, that's a really hard question to answer because we have obviously seen more children murdered since. Um, little Arthur, for example, was such a carbon copy of Daniel's story up to it you know in certain points and things with regards to like feelings with social services teachers and whatnot um and you just think you do you sit there and you think oh, what, what what has actually changed has anything changed now I, I know that they do use Daniel's story within training now um in settings like nursery nursing and whatnot so people know what signs to look out for. And they know not to to necessarily believe a parent when they're coming to tell you, this is what's happening with this child. And this is what, you know, they don't necessarily, they're not going to take them at face value um, as much anymore. But I do think a lot a lot more needs to be done, um, especially with regards to things like reporting. Because the minute a child passes away, I, there's always a neighbour or somebody that comes out and says, we heard this or we saw this and they didn't say anything you know they, nobody said anything at that time and if they'd have only only said something it could have been a completely different outcome and that's that is that is my main thing that is getting somebody to if you see something then say something because nobody else is, is possibly going to and you might just be that person that can save that child that's you know. why I think what you do is so important, and I don't I don't want to leave without telling people to go to your page, um, and look at justice. Just type into Facebook "justice for Daniel Pelka," P E L K A. And do you have another page for donations? No, no, I do pop the link on the uh, Daniel's page, um, which is a just it's a GoFundMe, um, which started off as you caring, I think, but then. Uh, go for me took it over so the total on there looks humongous but that is right from the beginning because i just thought if i keep everything in one place 
it's all transparent because I hate taking donations. <laughs> I really don't like it. Um, but a lot of people were saying like, oh, we can't get to, we can't get to there to, to go and put flowers down. We can't go to Poland. So I decided that that would be the easiest way for everybody to join in and be able to send flowers and pay tribute to him at the same time. I'm actually looking Thanks at very much for joining now. us, Nikki. And I just, really yes, thank you thank so much. much. I'm just having a Not look a for the... Um... I'm going to have to bug out yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, sorry, lovely I just want people to, to be able to find that, that donation well. link. Sorry to interrupt. Could, do you want me to send you the link? Yes, if you, you send link. it to me, I'm going to put yeah, it on our podcast page. Thank you very much, Victoria. I really Thanks, appreciate Nikki. it. Thanks for your thank time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, it was really interesting to hear from mm. Nikki, and you know, I think everybody would agree that she is doing great work, and it is nice that somebody somewhere is trying to do the right thing for Daniel and still sending flowers uh, to mm. the graveside and so on and so forth. Um, yes, with daily updates, and and she's just such a. I I just really admire her spirit more than anything, um, and uh, and what she achieved in absolutely. helping his family. Yeah. Who, I mean, that's just something. Yeah. Is just beyond belief, really. I mean, we didn't we didn't really go over the details of the crime, but I don't really think in this circumstance. I think we've done enough um, with those two cases now, don't you, Ben? Sure, I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well then. Well then. So the other, the, you, there's I'll been let a, you go there's been back a small to your crime. air fryer. There's been a small. Oh yes, and that. There's been a small crime perpetrated against Misty the cat. Go on then. She was bitten. <laughs> she had a chunk. Don't laugh. Well, I'm, no, I'm I'll sorry. I'll show you a picture. It's really sad. She really had to. Uh, she didn't have to wear a cone of shame, though. <laughs> a cone of shame. <laughs> That's the good news. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. No. But cone she does of have a big bald like. patch, like you. <laughs> like me. <laughs> you and Misty. Have got I've never worn a cone of shame. <laughs> you should do. <laughs> no, I shouldn't. Why do I need a cone of shame? Because <laughs> you're Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> Conehead. Hey, Conehead. Uh, you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. And I'll quickly put those out. And we're on buy me a coffee forward slash YDLMF. But everyone's at it. I'm just going to put it out there, as they say. You're still hanging in there with the buy me a coffee. Yes, it bought me an air fryer. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I do. <laughs> she said, I'm joking very quickly before she thought people might think they're buying too much, too many coffees for her. <laughs> No, I I'd really tried to, hard to make a coffee in that thing. It wasn't happening. <laughs> it's not an air coffee maker, is it? <laughs> I thought it did everything. It was an air not. car valet. Clearly you've been conned. <laughs> I've been coned. <laughs> it is a good thing. And you'll know, if you've got one, you know. If you don't have one, oh, fucking God. shut up. Is, that, and if, is this if you know, you know? If you know, you know. Sorry. God, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you more. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that happy note, and next time it'll be episode number 101. 101. 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, well, congratulations to me for putting up with you for 100. Yeah, well done you for putting up with me. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you you're okay because you've been an absolute bunt about... <laughs> Getting your you bum mean? on this seat today. Bums on seats. Well done, Ben. I, I think it's important to cover cases like that. Okay, bye. bye.